0: Oh no!
1: Voted by everyone, and I do mean everyone, as the best way to lose an hour of your life—it's the American Soccer Show. Eric Cantor, Emmett McConnell, and by everyone I mean me, and that's that's all the people I polled. So,
0: I'm pretty sure most uh, polls, you know. Um, with all the, all the political ones, I can't think of any off the top of my head for some reason, but I'm pretty sure they all would only have to poll one person.
1: Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, look, I'm just saying I'm not going to name any names, but I mean, I- I'm winning in all the polls, so.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're a serial winner. Yes, that's Like some of the teams I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we have plenty to do here this week. It's our last week of previews. season actually starts uh, this coming Friday.
0: It's pretty uh, crazy. And- I couldn't be more excited.
1: I'm ready. I am so ready for this season to get started, and so I'm ready to be disappointed also by the fire. We got NYCFC, DC United, Portland Timbers, Seattle, and LAFC to talk about today. We'll also discuss all the wonderful things that happened in CONCACAF this week. I'm sure everyone's dying to hear about the details.
0: You know I am, and I'm ready to get into it. But first, some news.
1: Yes, that's right. Orlando City have decided to do something totally out of left field, although not really because we all kind of saw coming from the reports is nani has come from sporting portugal you might remember him from the portuguese national team he's 32 years old uh you also may remember him from his time at manchester united a team that also and uh, he was on the portugal team that won the 2016 euros uh, so I'm, I'm gonna look at this objectively first and i mean this is a goal scoring threat i would assume because he's still putting up decent numbers in portugal and this yeah, team's he- not exactly loaded with goal scorers
0: he had like nine goals and seven assists already this year. Played sporting. He's played at Lazio. He's played at Valencia. He's played in Turkey, Fenerbahce. Played in England with United. Obviously, I mean, good resume. Still looks like he has it, but does it fix Orlando? I'm not so sure.
1: I don't think so either. Look, he's got a, he's gotten a three year contract, which I think is long for someone that's going to be 36 at the end of it. Now, you know, generally you sign contracts based on your age then, not at the end, as we've seen with Manny Machado getting 10 years uh, at the age of 26, which means he'll be 36 at the end of it. I'm sure the Padres will love to pay him $30 million when he's 36.
0: Not in the business of uh, long contracts. Nani, I think, he'll uh, be a poll to fans. At least people will want to go see him. Uh, you know, there's plenty of people who just known from being a Manchester United winger and that'll pull him into the stadium and that's that could be good enough for a team that I I've been predicting is maybe a potential bottom of the barrel in the league
1: yeah I mean look it, it's it's simple as this yeah he's probably there to sell a little more tickets they did need goal scoring threats it's not like this is a completely ridiculous signing that they didn't need but at the same time this team was the worst defense in the league for much of last
0: season second worst offense as well they they um, they did finish with the worst defense the entirety of the year, actually, with three more goals. Well, conceded I was than I was San trying Jose. to I was
1: trying to pay um homage to the uh, early start that they had when they won like six games in a
0: row, which makes it even more impressive that they just weren't they weren't always bad throughout the year. They had a pretty good period of time. Yeah. That said, on the goal scoring side, uh, second only to uh, once again San Jose in goals scored uh, at the bottom. Uh, they had, o- among their three DPs, two attacking mids and a forward, 20 goals and 11 assists. Gosh. That would have put them third on the goal scoring list, or I mean fourth, there's three players ahead of them, uh, between the three of them, mind you, and 21st in assists. Dwyer had 13 goals, no assists, Clushin, um 6 and 6, and Coleman, one goal, five assists. So... They need some production. They lost Merrim on the wing. I think they expected, you know, eight goals, eight assists out of him. Muller, three goals, four assists. Got to bring that numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Oh goodness. Well,
1: we'll see what they do with that. I, hopefully, it works out for them. I, I don't want. I'm not really rooting for anyone to fail here, but uh, just I don't see that. I don't see this one working out. What I do see working out though, Freddie Montero back in Vancouver. So suddenly. This attack may not be as helpless as it looked when we first talked about this team.
0: Right, they have decent number of signings. It's, I still think it'll be tough to overcome their three big losses. I think this is overturns one of them. I think Montero is better than Kai Kamara. Uh, that'll put them in a good position. I've been hearing that the uh, Korean signing Huang Inbeom uh, has been playing in K two for like some strange reason, um, and he's been kind of because of uh, something about like his military service. But then he won the uh, Asia Games with, uh, you know, obviously Hyung-Min Son was the big one in that one. So apparently he's been impressive with the Korean national team as well. So Vancouver might be, have to be on the radar.
1: We'll see. Uh, I, I'm still not convinced, and I know they've they've kind of been a darling in the last. Like everyone's just kind of like, oh, this. Look at the roster they're putting together. But this has happened before, where a team will kind of overhaul the roster a little bit, and they'll they'll have some nice signings and some different names. Like, because let's face it, I can watch all the K two highlights all I want. I'm not I'm not going to learn anything about that guy and whether whether he's going to be able to contribute in MLS or not. So it it was going to be a lot of wait and see with them. Freddie Montero, on the other sold. hand. No, Freddie Montero is a much proven can, quantity.
0: We do know he can deliver. Um, uh, the biggest issue will be if uh, NBOM can can contribute to him, can give him the assists, and Vancouver. I still don't see him as a playoff team, but good signing. You want to handle this next one? This is uh, what we've all been waiting for. Uh, good friend of the, so, the show, CJ Sapong. Traded from the Philadelphia Union to the Chicago Fire for about 400,000 Garber Bucks, and I know Eric couldn't be happier with this, as he is the lead Sapong proponent on the show.
1: I actually don't know what to say, because when I saw it, I didn't... I, I saw the tweet by the Fire, but it had been retweeted and quoted by someone else, so I only saw like a very like small picture thumbnail, and then I saw his Twitter handle, of which, of course, I didn't know. So I was like, oh, I don't know who Big Africa is, but all right. That's interesting. And then later, I'm scrolling through my feed again, and I realized the the Fire traded for CJ Sapong. And I had to resist the urge. I actually had to resist the urge to, like, type out this, like, you know, this is why the Fire are where they are. They sign these mediocre players for no reason, blah, blah, blah. And then I had to calm down a little bit because I had to remember that there is actually no backup striker on this team.
0: There is... Um... Until I'm blanking. Not, on, obviously. I was blanking on his name. I think they still have him, Elliot Collier. Um, uh, excuse me. <laughs> fourth round pick. He played some last year. Oh dear God! I, no. I, I, he, he. You could see some of his finishing was lacking. Uh, yeah. I'm assuming he'll be depth. He's not a terrible player.
1: It's I like I said, I had to calm myself down because it, it, it really, in the grand scheme of things, there are many worse number two, number nines in the league.
0: He can also play on the wing, despite no. his skill set. No, he, he ends up playing there. I, I mean, it kind of shows the direction the union have been going. They've been kind of offloading the players of the past and rebuilding. Who's been you know strong for them, except for a well, com. Sh- yeah, and honestly, when you hear the Twitter handle "Big Africa," that I assumed it was a com going back at first. <laughs> no, uh, that you know, one's he's, hilarious. He's actually from Africa, unlike Sapong. Uh, but it'll work for them, I think. Nikolic is getting is what he's like thirty now, so I'm pretty sure there's been a lot of like talk that old. This is probably
1: it for Nikolic this year in the on the Fire, not his career.
0: Right. So it's a signing. It's a it's one that uh, couldn't have been more well placed given Eric's feelings to Sapong and then his feelings towards the Chicago Fire. This is
1: his chance to prove me wrong. I will say that I'm I'm not expecting too much. I'm just you know he could, as long as he can play striker when Nikolic has to sit. Or he can come on in a game and, you know, unleash a little bit of that pace. He just turned thirty, so he's you know, he's almost he's almost there at the Twilight of the Prime, so maybe he's got one more good one left in him.
0: Don't don't be too rely on his pace, he's more of a target guy. So maybe if you get someone who can run off him. But <clears throat> that is the news for today. I know we could continue talking about CJ Sapong for hours. There
1: was there was a debate as to whether we would cancel this week's podcast, in fact, and do an hour long special on CJ Sapong to the Fire
0: but our producer wouldn't let us do it. You know, we both wanted to do it. Yeah.
1: And by the way, this basically means that since it's about 400, I think, I think they said the max was 450,000. We'll just go with that. So that means that the fire essentially in the end, traded David Akam for 550,000 in Garber books and CJ Sapong,
0: Which given the output of both players is basically like free money to the fire. Uh, but we'll see if Akam, you know, the Union have changed their formation to more of a diamond midfield, so there's not even room for wingers, so we'll see how Akam even fits in there. But at least Chicago, it seems like they're just raiding the Union. they got Herbers and Sapong now. Who's next?
1: I wish I would have gotten Keegan Rosenberry. That would have helped.
0: Could have used a right back, actually. Yeah. That wouldn't have been a terrible signing. That
1: would have been a great signing, but, yeah, whatever. I'm not in charge of the fire, even though I probably should be.
0: I, you know what? I'd support you, man. Yeah, I'd like good. to see you there. Yeah. But I, <laughs> <laughs> moving on to our previews. First up, the big boys in New York City. New York City is blue. New York City FC.
1: Yes, everyone's favorite New York City FC in the whole wide world. Uh, Dominic Torrente's first full season in charge is this upcoming one. Uh, NYCFC heading into a kind of a different landscape than what they're probably used to. David V is gone. The heart and soul of the franchise since its inception. That means this is really is a new era for the club because you'll remember those big, those three big DP signings they had coming straight out of the gate. And, you know, David Villa was really the biggest one, the one that kind of stuck around and had a much better reputation than Andrea Pirlo or Frank Lampard. And it looks like this is also kind of a change in strategy as to how they're going to put the roster together because, you know, they have, they still have three DPs, but they're no longer the big splashy signings that you would associate with the city football group.
0: Yeah, DP, the DP world has changed in NLS. It's not too many Wayne Rooney's and Zlatan Ibrahimovic's, good players, very useful, or Maybe I can even go further back, Steven Gerrard's and Frank Lampard's, um, or David Villa's even. Uh, it, it's more guys who, you know, Maxi Morales, maybe an unknown to, player, to you know fans, but a really, really good player in MLS nonetheless. And, and so losing Villa will hurt, but I think they've shown last year after with all his injury problems that they can play without him.
1: I would agree with that. So unfortunately for the Pigeons, which I love that that's their, their nickname, uh, they also lost Yangel Herrera, somebody who we both loved uh, on NYCFC last season. He was loaned to Huesca in Spain rather than back to NYCFC. So, those are two pretty big parts of the team given how well Herrera fit in that midfield and how important Villa was to the attack. So, we'll start with Villa. His replacement, Alexandro Mitrita has been signed as DP to fill that striker role. He had an amazing goal. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or two days ago in the preseason, but uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a pretty good one. And against Nashville SC, he's 24 years old. A Romanian international comes straight from the Romanian league, having scored 12 goals in 16 matches with four assists tacked on. So the numbers seem pretty good on paper. I, again, I, I, you know, I have a big subscription to the Romanian soccer league. I don't know if you know that, Emmett. So, you know, I watch this guy yeah. every
0: week. No, I saw you. You know, you're... You, we're out here uh, getting ready for the uh, podcast, and Eric's watching the uh, <laughs> the Romanian <laughs> league. Getting he's you know staying overtime to w- uh, watch games that you know even if someone's going to sign from that team, who knows? Uh, it's an important
1: league. We'll see. So, so anyway, <laughs> you know, it's like it, we'll see. Because now he did have that goal in preseason. It looks like he's settling in well, which is good. It's, it's a hard per, it's a hard player to replace. David Villa is one of a kind in more ways than one. Even at this stage of his career, I know that many would associate him with the kind of aging DP thing, but he was still a very good player at his age.
0: He was. I mean, I think we were really just starting to see him start to tail off at this level uh, last year, specifically because of injuries. But the bigger loss is going to be Angel Herrera. They were really poor without him. And in comes... Uh, Keaton Parks, who might be my that favorite midfield.
1: U.S. men's national team name. Keaton. I don't know. Just something about it. And yet yeah, <laughs> it Parks. sounds so New Yorker, too.
0: Yeah, I can say it. Um, I I think that bef- the midfield three, you have ring defensively. You had Herrera as a kind of box to box. And Maxi Morales is the Trey Cortista. Now you got Keaton Parks coming in uh, for Herrera. Uh, he's not much of a box-to-box, it seems, but he can be. Kind of, he's not exa- exactly a pure six. So we'll see how he kind of fits in. I'm assuming he's going to start right away. You would think
1: so, and that'll be good for his development. He wasn't getting a ton of time at Benfica. He was uh, kind of more on the Benfica B team. There is, I will say this, the three guys you just mentioned, those are decent midfield options. Ring, Alexander Ring, especially, who we have also talked a lot about. He was a very good player for them last season. I, I worry that those three, that's basically it. Because after that, you're talking about James Sands, for example. You know, another kind of young uh, American player that has been getting some kind of rave reviews. And, you know, he's been played as a defender. He's been played as a defensive midfielder. So, he's 18 years old. You know, is he ready for that? Like, the pressure that could come with being uh, a piece that has to play every couple weeks?
0: Yeah, and the MLS season is pretty packed. Uh, so... It's not exactly as if you can just kind of play the same people over and over, right? It's a you, you got to have some rotation. There's a lot of mid-league way, games. You get
1: no cuz you get to the end of the season and you're completely worn out. So, you definitely don't want to do that. I, and you also have Keaton Parks in front of you, somebody who's not that much older than James Sands, and at any point he could hit a rough patch of form and he needs to be, you know, sat down for a couple games to re- relax and suddenly you're having to put the guy who's even younger in behind him.
0: Right. Um they do also have uh I believe Jesus Medina. Um is he, yeah, a little uh, more of a wide player though. DP. Yeah, we'll see we'll see how he slots in. Um but I think he'll get some time. Of course, uh Ismail Tajori Shradi, a guy who's can play some forward, but is more of he's more of like an outside forward. He's not like an outside mid. He's played some wing back, but he's he's not like a left mid or a right mid. He's kind of either a forward or a wing back.
1: Just yeah kind of strange he, he he has those kind of tendencies i think well it, he had them anyway I don't, I don't know if it was something that was like kind of done out of necessity or what because he is very very much a, a forward attacking player but remember where my cfc play and that's one of the things that any new signing kind of has to get used to right is like to Shardy shradi can play wing back on that yankee stadium field partly in part because he doesn't need to have he's such a pacey player that he doesn't necessarily have to have the best defensive instincts to play there
0: not a big field not as much running as uh, you would need. The other person who kind of played some forward by committee when Villa was out, uh, the most Scandinavian name in MLS, Joe Ingebergit. Oh, dear uh, God. He's gone. Uh, so they lost Jan Hel, they lost um, It's. I don't think it's as much of an issue as any of these really uh, seem. I think losing Herrera is probably the big one. I, I still think losing Villa was the biggest loss this team is going to face in a while. Um and my biggest worry is Dom Torrent.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that he has the uh, managerial aptitude to get this team where it was under Vieira. I, I do want to mention Jonathan Lewis, because yeah, of course he, he's kind of stood out for the national team in Camp Cupcake, and then you know I would assume it'll translate to some more playing time this season uh, at New York the attacks in relatively in order really the whole team is kind of in order it feels like it's a decent team but i worry about you know it's two or three injuries away i think from being a pretty weak time, a pretty weak side
0: yeah uh, i'm totally with you on that um and torrent like like you said not maybe not up to stuff but um they still should be a playoff team right yeah they probably should we can all be all kind of they have a pretty it's... good
1: defense they have the probably the biggest home field advantage in the league i'd say
0: yeah, maybe not the best record, but I would definitely say the best, um, the, the best advantage. I mean, going there is always, always, always tough. Um, so this will be interesting. They do have a good defenders. Uh, Alexander Callens, obviously one. Maxime Chanot, uh, kind of stand out. Um, I'm a big fan of their goalkeeper, Sean Johnson. I think he's one of the better shot stoppers in the league.
1: Come back, Sean.
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys maybe could use him. Um, yeah. Uh I don't know but like other than that I think their their full position is a bit um suspect. Ben Sweat is fine. Um yeah. actually Anton holding at right back I think is a good player. Uh, so if him they have Sweat it's a solid that's it's solid. It's it's a lot of what we've seen before with a couple additions that'll help like Parks and Matria. We'll see about Matria up top. That's that one's still kind of yet to be seen. But um it's all on torrent at this point. The pieces are there. I, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't improve anything last year. He had basically the same um, position that Chris Armis was in, competing in the same position, and he stepped up with the Red Bulls and improved them. Now Torn gets a full off season. He's got to show what he can do.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree that the onus is going to be a little bit more on him, and this is not an ownership group that's going to, you know, balk. Obviously, they have to work within the salary cap of MLS, but they're not going to balk at firing the manager because they can afford a new one very easily.
0: Yeah, and he was ostensibly a caretaker manager. I think they they were pretty much planning on him taking over for Vieira. Um, but I'm pretty sure he was working there with Vieira when he was there. Same thing with Armis at the Red Bulls. So he should understand his system. I think he's going to come back and bounce back and have a better year, but I don't think we're going to see the dominance that we've seen with New York City in the past.
1: Let's jump to the polar opposite of uh, managerial changing because D.C. United... This is Ben Olsen's ninth full season in charge. So he's just behind Peter Vermes in that like, longest-tenured coaches in MLS. This is a team that has seen a lot of ups and downs in his tenure, but perhaps optimism is finally going to reign supreme here. There were some rumblings of Lucho Acosta being courted by PSG uh, in January, but the asking price apparently from D.C. United was too high, and he's there. So I would expect that if he gets off to another strong start, I would expect that those rumors are coming back in the summer. And they might be too hard to ignore in the summer.
0: Yeah, we'll see if he sticks around. He's had a couple moments where it seemed like he was gone. An Instagram post where he's like clapping at the fans, and he okay. like kind of says like, "I'll miss you, DC," or something along those lines. I forget what it was. I
1: think every every like show that talks about sports needs to have a, like a, a social media interpreter. What does like a, this f- mean?
0: Bringing our social media expert.
1: Yeah. Right. Or like you know how those people they hire like body language experts. I think we need, like, a social media expert. We need someone to analyze their post history, you know, get an idea of who they are, and then, I, I don't know about you, but I think we're really getting somewhere with us.
0: Hopefully they have at least a master's in studying emojis. Pretty soon that's going to be pretty important. They also <clears> have <throat> to
1: watch the emoji movie.
0: Yeah. Like, ooh, you have to know if uh, they
1: have any actual, like, <laughs> you have to see if they can be tortured for long periods of time.
0: It seems like that would be a tough job, but I'll be honest, Olsen's had a tough job before here. And he has really not had many successful seasons. Uh, I've never been a big fan of his, but seeing what he can do with the full squad now, I'm 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 a believer. I would have I'm, to say I'm there.
1: I, I agree with you that I don't think he's anything special as a manager, but uh, this is it, right? Like this this is the best squad he's ever had. Now, I, I mean the I I don't know if the squad the squad might be slightly worse than it was at the end of last season, but you know that that was crazy what they had to do last season. So I think this coming into this season, this is the best squad he's ever had. And this is it. Like it's put up or shut up time for him because the, you're, you're there nine seasons and you've done what they've done, which is not a whole lot. I think I think this kind of has to be the one where you know if it, if it's an underwhelming season, if it's not at least uh, you know a good solid, it's it's gonna need a playoff win, at least one, I would think. And then I would think conference finals should be where this team sets its standards. And if you don't reach the the conference uh, finals, I think it might be time to move on.
0: I mean, we'll see. Uh, I think that is a bit um, – I don't know if it's, uh, it's ambitious, ambitious or but aggressive, but it, it's – it's. I don't think it's fair. We saw them – I mean, listen, they lost to a really well-coached Columbus team in the first round last year on penalties. You know who did that before it was Atlanta, so
1: – Well, everything everything's a little subjective, of course, but, like, the idea is, like, this guy's been there nine years. He is very much a known quantity, right? At, what can you – what's going to happen if, let's say, Lucho Acosta – is sold in the summer but with an agreement to go in january at dc united it's not big spenders they haven't really uh, i know recently they've put some money in but you know replacing a lucho cost is not easy
0: no and i do agree with you i mean it's a long time for olsen to be there and not do any have not really have won anything but the marvin again, lewis effect been, his teams have been pretty poor at some point you maybe think oh we'll see what else see if we can try our luck elsewhere this is a team that has really, really strong pieces. Obviously, Rooney up top is what everyone talks about. Lucho Acosta, for me, is you know, a top five player in this league. At least a top five attacking mid. Um, just there, you have playoff quality. You yes. don't even really need much else. Those guys are unbelievable together.
1: They did lose Yamil Saad, who was on loan last season. He's back in Argentina. There were reports they tried to bring him back. Salary cap kind of keeping them away from that. And then he's also said, uh, Yamil Asad has, that... He's happy where he is in Argentina, so it looks like that one may be... The book may be closed on that one. Uh, They'll have to replace 19 goals from last season. 9 from Assad, 10 from Emmett's favorite striker, Darren Maddox.
0: Well, if I may jump in for a second there. That was before Rooney was there. I'm expecting 20 goals from Rooney. Uh, I think he'll replace that quite easily. And Maddox is a fine backup. He's not a starter. But the fact that he got 10 goals through, what, two-thirds of last year kind of shows you... uh, how good this team was that they could even get a guy like that 10 goals
1: the attack is definitely something to watch out for uh in Assad's place in essence a 21 year old Argentine playmaker Lucas Rodriguez coming over to try to make an impact he played 90 matches at his former club Estudiantes and he's got a decent clip for a 21 year old that's a that's a lot of matches in my opinion for someone who's 21 but he's also only scored eight goals and five assists
0: the production does come sometimes later uh, you can see the talent when they're younger, but the production doesn't come. So maybe this is a time. It's a step down in league from Argentinian league. Um, all things considered, so could be time. Uh, is it though? I think I listen, so. Those I think are teams top, that are competing. Top, <laughs> River Plate.
1: That's okay. The top teams of Juniors, are definitely better. I, I don't want to. Newell's I, Old I, Boys. So, somebody's probably freaking out right now. I, in our the art the top Argentina teams are better than the top MLS teams. Independiente. But those bottom teams in Argentina. I don't know. Velez Sarsfield, man? I don't Aww. know. Man. Then again, I shouldn't say that because like, if San Jose had to play the worst team in Argentina, I don't, I don't know how
0: it would go. So. It would ugly. There's a reason why I think they're always okay. competing I'll, in Cobra co- Libertadores.
1: You, uh, you know what? You're right. I, 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 was, I was out of line with that comment.
0: I get what you're saying. There's the big boys and then there's everyone else. It's tough to uh, really quantify what everyone else is when you're not seeing them consistently going up against other top composite competition other than what's in the league, so that's fine. I do think that it, he could be a good signing. He's only 21. We'll see how he kind of fits in. That's a question mark. They still have Paul Areola at right mid. Zoltan Stieber, who's a you know a decent enough uh, p- player. I think he's maybe third winger on their uh, on their list potentially. Uh, and you just go through the rest of the lineup, and I'm it, it's really optimistic. You and it I both it? love Russell Canoose at defensive mid.
1: Yes, and not to mention Durkin could might might get a more run this year. He's got a Chris lot of Durkin, hype behind him himself. Nineteen yep. years
0: old, he featured next to Canoos a lot. Um, I think it was Ian Harks was getting time before him as one of the young guys who didn't really develop as much. Uh, I think he's still pretty young though. I think Durkin could be a star this year. Um, hopefully playing next to Canoos. I mean they have other guys. You know, uh, Segura played some there, so they you know they don't have to force Durkin in and play every game. But I think he will get a lot of time. I think this is his time to step up.
1: We'll see about that. Uh, Leonardo Yara has been brought in from Boca Juniors, so maybe we'll just make MLS better by invading the Argentine
0: League. I mean, it seems like it's been kind of that movement. So last year we saw a lot of those uh, South American signings. This year's maybe some more veteran European, but it's still there, and it's still...
1: Well, this guy, 27 years old, definitely probably the, the mix of both worlds, right? The veteran South American.
0: Yeah, and I mean... I, I i do you think it's a better league i don't think the transition is always guaranteed right no it's that's not ne- Never that is the question mark um so that one's up in the air they still do have Steen burn who at one point you know he's 28 now but at one point was like you know gonna go to europe go to israel get some money <laughs> i was gonna say
1: well to be clear in israel it was it was going to europe but israel europe <laughs>
0: I stand by. The, I stand by what I said. It's in Europe. Well, uh, he, he would have made more money. It's
1: in UEFA. I don't think it's. I don't, is, Israel's not actually in Europe, is it? No. Get the producer no, But on we. That one.
0: But it's it's not technically in Europe. It's technically okay. in Asia. But we do consider. Uh, you know, we'll get past that point. Spending too much. I'm spending too much time there. Um, so he's a good defender. Um, we'll see how Hara fits in, but they they do still have Frederick Brilliant, who's you know getting older, but. He was fine last year. Uh, and uh, fullback, I guess, was kind of a, a, a worry. They brought in Chris McCann from Atlanta United, 31-year-old left back. He can play some center back. Uh, and they had Joseph Mora, who I thought was pretty impressive last year uh, at left back.
1: I think the back line's fine. You, you got Bill Hamid here for the rest of the season, I believe. So you'll have a decent defensive setup. And I think really the Jara signing for me is more about making sure Paolo Ariola doesn't have to play right back in a big game like he did in the playoffs.
0: Right. So they brought in some depth here uh, with McCann uh, at least. So uh, we'll see what they pull out there. I'm looking forward to kind of what homegrowns we're going to see. I mean, we have Durkin, but uh, this is a hotbed of soccer, you know, the um, in that area. So I think uh, DC, uh, it would behoove them to start bringing up some young guys uh, getting into this team. Especially the, the roster isn't that long, all things considered. It's not, but on the plus side,
1: it also means that they, maybe they can harness it at the Maryland Sportsplex, you know, my one of my favorite MLS venues of all time.
0: Well, as long as no more steel beams fall down oh, uh, goodness. at Audi Stadium. But yeah, I'm optimistic about this team. Uh, they still have that new ish stadium now, uh, Audi Field. So, uh, all signed, no more RFK. I think they're a real force in MLS at this point.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, so we move to the other side of the country, Portland Timbers. Giovanni Savarese is here for season number two. Probably couldn't have asked for too much more in his first season. Led the Timbers to MLS Cup Final, where they were, of course, taken down by Atlanta. Uh, they did lose two players in defense, so it would be interesting to see how they transition. Uh, Alvis Powell and Liam Ridgewell, who, of all people, went to Europe. <laughs> and back where he belongs. Yeah. Uh, in their place, Claude is here after his uh, nightmare stint in new england we'll see if he can flip the perception of himself in the league remember he was brought in as a dp defensive signing and he and friedel got into it to the point where friedel was just like nope
0: and now he is out um, so yeah defense may be a bit of a worry then uh, but this is pretty much the same team other than that from last year
1: yeah exactly there weren't a lot of they've there've been a lot of rumors about portland trying to acquire uh, attacking players and it hasn't worked out we can talk about a little bit of that, but you know, they did add one player, uh, defensively Jorge Moreira is brought in on loan from river place, 25, 29 years old with the right back. So that's good because this team did not have a lot of uh, fullback depth. Remember they brought in Jorge Fanya mid last season. Valentin is still here. And then after that, it was a black hole.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, cause they got rid of Alvis Powell who, um, I thought was a good fullback. Um, but apparently they said we don't need two starting quality right backs. They go out and do this. I'm wondering if they think this guy has the talent to push Valentin uh, to being a a backup, which I think would be quite odd, personally. Uh, at least maybe they got some money. Who knows? But uh, they still have Laris Mabiala. I think a very strong center back uh, to, to throw in there. Uh, and they still their core of their team. They're getting older. That's gonna be the biggest worry, but they're still early 30s and they're fine. But they're winding down. Valeri's 32, Blanco's 30, Chara is 32, Guzmán is 30. That's their core right there, and I'm worried about when that if if they, when they start dropping off, there's gonna be problems.
1: That that was my uh, that was my main point in their obituary was that this was a team I thought that was very well set up for the here and now, but that here and now is coming and it's going fast. So I was hoping that they would invest some. Money this offseason just going for it this year, and uh, it looks like they tried. Uh, Credit to them, they certainly tried because you know, I it's not that I have a problem with Ibo Bise being the number nine on this team, it's just that I I don't know if he's ready for that sort of shouldering of that load because he's gonna they're gonna have to score a lot of goals if they want to get to the reach their full potential. And so they've tried making big bins for Julian Quinones from Liga MX. It was rejected. Ezekiel Ponce, currently in, currently in Athens, also a target of theirs. Eduardo Vargas, another Liga MX player. They really wanted a forward. So that tells me they're not 100% sold on Ivo Bise being the starting number nine week in and week out. And that would but worry that, me a little bit.
0: At least without any depth. Um, and speaking of uh, D.C. being a hotbed, he's from Bethesda, Maryland. Um, My favorite so, city
1: in Maryland, by the way.
0: Of course. Um so we'll see. I think that experience is going to be good enough for them this year. We'll see moving forward, but this year specifically it's good enough. They're not too old yet.
1: Yeah, they're not there yet. I worry about teams that don't do enough in the off season, and this is going to become a running theme here in the next few teams. I worry about that because you get too you get too comfortable. Everybody starts, you know, figuring you out a little bit more because it is hard to change what you do when you have the same group of players. So I'm a little cautious, I'm a little I'm a little back up on them, but I still think I agree that there is the talent here to make another run to the playoffs, maybe not to the final this time though.
0: Yeah. I, I would I want them to get a little bit more um, I think young, a little bit injection of youth. Um, they do not have a lot of depth in defense. Bill Loma is gonna have to step in, I'm guessing, at center back unless they kind of turn Zarek Valentin into center back or something. Um, I don't uh, know what w- their plan is. Dielna could start? It, we'll see with Dielna. I'm not too uh, hyped on him given his past. Marco Farfan's another fullback. He's a young guy, but he's like their only young guy. Ibo says 22. He's probably one of the only other ones. Um, I would like to see it, but I think experience will once again get them into the playoffs and make them a very tough team to play in the playoffs. Yeah. You might mu- You're talking about goals? I think... It's not going to come as much from the forward position. It's going to be Sebastian Blanco, and it's going to be Diego Valeri. Well, if Those you guys want, got goals.
1: That's, yeah, That's fair. Uh, I think if you want the poster child for midseason adjustments to uh, put a team on the right track, you look no further than their neighbors in Cascadia, Seattle. Brian Schmetzer one of my favorite names in the league, heading to his third season in charge with the exact same team as last season, except minus Osvaldo Alonso and Waylon Francis. So Seattle did pretty much nothing except add Jonathan Campbell as center back depth. Uh,
0: so here's the thing, right? All about this late season um, moves, I guess, p- picking up in the late season. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think they have enough pieces for this year to be a regular start to the season, if you think about it, if they were just mediocre at the beginning of last year, they would have finished first overall.
1: True, they got off such a, such a bad such a bad start that it they ne- that necessitated them going on a historically good run.
0: Um, so, I mean, in the past it was you know they needed creativity. Okay, so two years ago, um, or maybe it was three years ago at this point they got Nicolas Ladero, injected creativity. They went on to win a final. Um. Then you know they kind of need some forward help. Um, obviously, when Dempsey left, that became an issue. Bringing Raúl Ruiz Raúl Rui Diaz last year, massive boost. Um, it doesn't seem like they need that anymore. They have everything else f- figured could, out, right?
1: Could their boost be coming early this season with Jordan Morris? He's coming back from that torn ACL. He could be like a new signing. We talk about all this all the time when a player gets injured you know, early on in a season and he comes back in the next one, it does sometimes rejuvenate the squad in a way that a signing would because, you know, he's going to push, you would think, to play wide instead of Harry's ship.
0: Uh, absolutely. Um, and and now I don't think they're really going to be too worried about all that depth issues. They do, I think Morris will probably end up playing wide maybe. We'll see if he plays a second striker and Ladero kind of drifts wide. Uh, Victor Rodriguez showed what he can do at the end of last year. Um, so that'll be big. Uh, they still have I – mean, the big loss is going to be Ozzy Alonso, obviously. Uh, he's gotten older, but they still have Gustav Svensson, who was good in the midfield, Christian Roldan. Uh, hopefully Chad Marshall will be back. He was important in the defense. I, I If they start strong, they're one of the top teams in the West, no no doubt.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And, of course, I have to throw a shout-out to Hanwala Buana, pace merchant. Great.
0: Great name also. <laughs> Second only to Kim Keehee, who matched really well uh, next to Chad Marshall uh, in place of Roman Torres. Who, I mean, what happened to that guy? He went from being star boy to last year just absolutely falling off the Ro- face of the earth.
1: He's, I think he's just passed it at this point. I think it's been made very apparent to him and to his coaches that he just doesn't have it anymore to be an every week starter. And those those freelance runs that he has, I, I, think, they, I think they're about over them.
0: Yeah, and so that's why they brought in Campbell as some depth there. So I think once again we'll see a good defense. Uh, they'll get this stuff. They'll get it done. They have. I think Brad Smith was a really good acquisition last year that went under the radar at left back. He kind of displaced Tolo Nuhu, who I was impressed with, but you know he's young. He'll get some time. Um, so I'm I I think that this team could easily finish first or second. Uh, but it's up to them to see if they want to start this year better instead of just picking it up later.
1: And I do love me a good generic name just as much as a crazy name. Brad Smith's got to be up there.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> him and Nuhutolo, kind of opposite sides of the uh, uh, name spectrum there. But he he kind of went under the radar. So um, I've been more and more impressed with Christian Roldan. I think he's going to bring an up level to the game. And we'll see Raul Ruiz Diaz with the full season. What could be better than that?
1: Yeah, the Seattle team could be very, very dangerous if they hit the ground running like they did last... Well, not at the beginning, but once they got going, it was like a freight train to try to stop.
0: And so them and D.C. United are some teams I'm looking out for this year. They both were really bad at the beginning of last year for a long period of time. Seattle was absolutely abysmal, actually. If you remember back, they had like single-digit score uh, goals scored like 15 games into the season. It was bad, and... Uh, you know they had the most goals conceded, and then they just immediately went on a run, and they were untouchable. They can yeah. do that. DC can do that. Oh boy, what a year!
1: And finally, one last preview: LAFC. This is year two of LAFC, and if they're following the Atlanta model, that means it's MLS Cup time. Veterans Marco Urania, Benny Failhopper—they're both gone. Their presence was probably good for the team in its first season, but I think it was also made to be clear towards the end that neither of them are really can be really uh, dependable starters on an MLS Cup striving team anymore.
0: Yeah, Failhaber was important for kind of setting the tone in that first year. Urania, I think, was useful early on when they needed a striker, but they picked up two guys partway through the year, and Adama Diomande and Christian Ramirez. So he suddenly lost his usefulness. Failhaber, I think, will at least be uh, important for Colorado and them trying to set a tone in their season. Uh, but, you know, LFC do have good midfielders to replace them.
1: Yeah, they do, and they have a pretty good midfield a bunch, And, of course, that starts with Andre Horta, who was brought in as a DP last season. Kind of had a lot of hype behind him and never really did anything. You might remember him mostly for his gaffe in the Trafico where he gave the ball away and led to LA Galaxy winning that game. Or time, yeah, that, I remember.
0: that one was rough. I think it really killed his confidence. Still fairly young. He's 22 uh, in MLS standards. That's rookie year. So... Um, Uh, I'm excited to see how he develops. Uh, I think that in the place of Failhaber at the bottom of the triangle, we're going to see Atuesta be an out-and-out starter. I really liked him playing. Uh, He kind of started getting transitioned into the team throughout the year, uh, and I think he will be a massive part of the season.
1: I I think he'll need a little more consistency to stay there because they do also have Mark Alexander K. He's still here. Uh, Lee Wynn, who they acquired. He's probably going to play that number 10 role when it's not Carlos Vela.
0: Yeah, and we saw uh, Bradley could be um, flexible with his lineups. So he did sometimes play like a three midfielder uh, setup instead of that 4-2-3-1 where he had Vela underneath. And then he kind of had Lee Wynn and Benny Failhopper historically attacking mids playing defensive midfield. Uh, And they were really, they really stepped up and they showed maturity in their play. Um but mention you mentioned Carlos Vela. Him and Diego Rossi are gonna be the backbone of this team. They're just too good for this team to be anything but a top three team in the West.
1: Yeah, this could be this could be Diego Rossi's coming out party this season. We saw him, you know, take some time to transition to the league last season. We saw flashes and I think now a full year under his belt, second year under Bob Bradley in that system. Probably a little more consistent play in the forward position because I, I do think that whether it's Christian Ramirez, Ad- I don't, I don't like Adamia Bondale that much, so I don't think it's going to be him. I think I think Christian Ramirez winds up rising to the top here, and then we might even see Rodolfo Zelaya, the striker from El Salvador, who was brought in as well. I, I think there'll be more consistent forward play than there was under arena who had his moments, but also he went through a drought of scoring that was just brutal.
0: Yeah, and they do have plenty of people who can play forward. Uh, Dio Monde had some good stretches. He reminds me a lot of Josie Altador and just his power and ability, but also in his temperament. He seems to get very frustrated. Uh, but he has so much support that, he, honestly, whoever's playing forward on this team should ha- get plenty of goals. If that guy's like, we win, up. feeding you. Yeah, I think you could score as many as 10 goals in a full year. <laughs> At least Diego Rossi's support, uh, giving you service. Carlos Vela, Latif Blessing. Uh, probably a backup wing player for them, but my, he can be electric when he's on his day. Uh, and the midfield, as we mentioned, we've gone through them. They have and like five players who should all start in quality.
1: Not to mention, you're also leaving out the biggest move they made in the offseason, bringing in Mohamed el Here, Ounir, Here The best comes. left back in MLS now plays for
0: LAFC. Unbe- I can't believe you put him on your list as uh, best left back. I honestly just can't wait for him to not cut it and we see a 35 year old jordan harvey at left back
1: no we will do no such thing
0: it's quite possible listen if he does if um bradley as i mentioned he can be flexible if he goes to a five in the back i think it would suit Munir because he is much more attacking
1: it would suit him but i do i will say this the third center back for la would become a bit of an issue there's the issue and sylva are very good after that, it's like Jackovic, no.
0: But that's it. That's that's their center backs. Tristan Blackman was a winger who kind of played a little center back once. Uh, they played John Mutinho there once or twice. Uh, their other defender, I like, got like the top of my head. Steven betisher is an out and out fullback. You wouldn't you, want him at wing back or center back, really. You could do Eddie Segura. He was not
1: acquired on loan.
0: There's another defender. There's a uh, center we'll back. See, I don't, we'll see if it fits in. He, he's a smaller guy. He's only 5'9". Um, I think they want to stick with Civil, uh, Silva and Walker Zimmerman. Good center back pairing. I wouldn't be surprised, All oh, by the way, if Walker Zimmerman doesn't get a uh, offer. He's been very, very impressive. And we saw him step up once Lawrence Simon left, who I have been mentioning before, can be a liability.
1: I do think that this defense... I, I think that Muneer will be able to thrive because I do think that Bob Bradley has three very good defenders in Silva, Zimmerman, and Betashore, so Muneer doesn't really even have to defend all that much.
0: And he could learn a lot under Bradley. But it's Not to mention, he
1: could even use Mark Anthony Kay to cover him on that left side.
0: Uh, absolutely. Um, Gonna boss a, the midfield. He's a real worker, and we saw how useful he could be with a uh, ball-playing defensive mid and Mark Anthony Kay doing a lot of the running. He really stepped up his game until he had that nasty, nasty leg injury, uh, which uh, we were there for. Uh, That was disappointing. Uh, Tyler Miller returns, Northwestern guy. You know we love to see him. in the. Friend of the show, Tyler Miller. Great friend of the show. Uh, They they
1: did also sign Pablo Cisniega from Real Sociedad. Now, he's not not really even that highly touted of a prospect, but it is something to note because they did sign another young goalkeeper. Perhaps as a little – because Tyler Miller almost played every game last season.
0: And he had some phenomenal plays – Really good uh, games. Uh, didn't see a lot of weaknesses from him. Really came out and put a strong showing out there in my mind, including one of the b- probably the best save of the season for me. Sorry to Stefan Fry against uh, in the Traffico against um, the Los Angeles Galaxy. Now I could come out here and debate why I think that's better, but I I would think it's tough to uh, displace Miller as the starting goalkeeper.
1: Well, there you go. The president of the goalkeepers union has made his. Feelings felt, and that means it's time we're, we're, we're officially ready for the readiness scale. Why don't you uh, Why don't you start us off here? Who, who's most ready?
0: Most ready, I think D.C. United. I have every reason to think they're going to pick up where they left off last year, except for maybe Assad, who did kind of fall off at some point. Uh, it's up to them to become an elite team or fall off. And I think same thing with Seattle. Both started slow, finished high. And I don't think they're either going to start slow. I think they're going to be strong. And they're going to be top teams, D.C. first, Seattle second, neck and neck, though. Then I have LAFC. um, We'll see how they did the sophomore year. They're not Atlanta, but I think they're going to be strong. They're going to be up there. I've mentioned, I think, it's Sporting Kansas City, Seattle, and LAFC will be top three in the West. And then I'm going to drop down to New York City and Portland Timbers as my last ones. Uh, New York City, I'm worried about Dom Torrent. They still have the talent, though. So there's chances, and they have, as you mentioned, that posted stamp of a field. Uh, We'll give them good good home-field advantage. Portland.
1: Oh, no.
0: (laughs) I think Portland will narrowly make the playoffs, but I think if any of these teams could make the finals, once again, it's Portland, all that experience. Tough picks, to be honest. These are all fantastic teams.
1: This This was the hardest one that I think we had to do because these five teams, not a whole lot separates them. Portland went to the final last year, and yet you had them ranked last here in this particular category. And I actually... You almost convinced me in the end there to go with exactly what you said, but I actually I have DC United 1 a Seattle 2 a very close 1 and 2. I have LAFC is kind of the you know solid third in this category because I do think that we're going to see a little more Andre Horta this season, but you know whether that's going to be a good or a bad thing remains to be seen. But I I think that will be regardless counterbalanced out by a, a good Diego Rossi season because I think he's on the verge of having a kind of almost maybe a Lucho Acosta-type breakout. And then after that, Portland—I'm giving the nod to Portland over NYCFC just because Portland made it all the way to the final. And so both these teams are almost the same, except, of course, NYCFC has to deal with a new striker, a new you know midfield— uh, piece. I just, I, I worry about NYCFC. I really do. I think this could be a transition year if it doesn't start off well. And like I said, this city football group, I know Torrente was, you know, uh, I, I don't want to say an apprentice of Pep Guardiola, but he was, you know, a close associate of Pep Guardiola's. So it may not be in vogue to just fire him right away, but I could see this going a completely different direction where NYCFC see this season not go well and they decide to, do, you know, make some drastic changes in the off season
0: completely possible. Uh, I saw you switch it around uh, from what you originally had. Um, it, this one was the toughest, though. Because you think about it, I'm sure there's some, if whoever's listening will say, ooh, you're wrong. It's flipped. It's the complete opposite. I think in the past, we've seen these... Uh, and if you ha- couldn't tell by now, we've been kind of organizing our episodes by um, kind of classes of teams. Teams that were like bottom echelon. Um, kind of more questionable, but like middle... Uh, and then CONCACAF Champions League teams, and these are the rest of the elite. So uh, this was really tough because these are elite teams, and honestly, it could go any way.
1: Yeah, and I was about to say, and if you were wondering how Houston got into that group
0: last week, that's why. Because they're CONCACAF Champions League teams. Speaking of, they didn't do too bad, did they?
1: Uh well, Houston didn't. I'm going to go, you know what, Let's. I'm going to take that natural segue, and I'm going to say it. De- Demarcus Beasley is infinite. The man... I call that man up to the national team. Get that man in the gold cup roster.
0: <laughs> we Which need is, that. I think it's funny that he people have been complaining about him being there, but really he wasn't the weakest aspect of the team at any given point. And listen, he out Demarcus Beasley always has and always will be. He's always been around. It says he's thirty six, but I don't believe it. I think he's three hundred and thirty six. <laughs> the guy is phenomenal. He's been around
1: since the dawn of time. He's infinite.
0: Um, and he gets a great right footed goal uh for houston which propels them past guastatoya who apparently bobby warshaw didn't know was in guatemala
1: he didn't uh, i didn't i missed that what happened
0: oh he, he was he's tweeted something and he was just like about beasley's goal and he's like i he like added a preface of like i can't remember where the team is from and i don't feel like looking it up <laughs> oh. and i was like bobby it's it's in the name guastatoya guatemala hey, it's see, like the same this thing is,
1: this is what sets us up And sets us apart, excuse me, from other shows. You, Emmett, can attest to this. Emmett, I watched Guastatoya play last weekend for a little bit. I was extremely bored, and I actually found that they stream. And in case you're uh, bored out of your mind, you can actually watch every single game from the Guatemalan league every week.
0: That is live online for free. You and like five other people will be watching that. I'm sure the quality will be (laughs) phenomenal. The quality uh, was
1: shockingly watchable.
0: I mean, of the stream, not of the play itself. Yeah,
1: of of the stream. <laughs> oh, oh the, yeah. The play itself was hideous. <laughs> the, the play itself was hideous. I never. I have seen Sunday League matches capture my attention better. No, I, look. I, it's just, it, it was it was an interesting moment. So anyway, points deducted from Bobby Warshaw because I watched Guastatoya play. <laughs>
0: oh no minus one to bobby warshaw uh so houston dynamo got a big win on the road and the away goal uh they were a team that we didn't give a lot of credit to just given the teams that they're with a team that we gave perhaps too much credit to went out and absolutely blew it toronto going into panama against independiente oh my
1: i can't believe it so look and there's there's a laundry list of excuses that i'm willing to hear Okay, so, yeah, it's Toronto's first competitive game of the season, and Abendante have two months worth of, you know, actual matches that they've played, Toronto's squad is still figuring out how to accommodate the, for the loss of Jovinko, it's an away match against a side that's never played on the stage, so, you know, the atmosphere was buzzing, playing in Central America's tough, you know what all those things don't do? They don't excuse losing for nothing.
0: To a team where the players make $300 a week. Ugh. Unbelievable. Which
1: is, which, to be fair, according to, like, median wealth of Panama is actually a pretty good deal.
0: I stand by what I said. No, it's fa- it's a very shocking –
1: <laughs> it's, it's a shocking stat because think of how much those Toronto players get played. And they got absolutely – they didn't just get beaten. They got run off the pitch. They got destroyed, humiliated. We've been bamboozled. I can't believe this. I demand Toronto be We've replaced. Been,
0: they've been smekledorf.
1: That's not even a word, and I agree with you. Look – at this point, I actually would be more in favor of, of like, throwing Montreal in there instead, but that's not going to happen, and I, look, Toronto could very easily beat this team 5 nothing. They could, but I don't see it happening. Toronto's defense looks like I could have scored against them.
0: It was absolutely abysmal. For me, the turning point of the game, just getting into it for a second, was the penalty from Terrence Boyd, oh, dear goodness. which Some is now say, oh, in so orbit bad. with Michael Bradley's penalty kick. From last year's Concacaf Champions League, and so at least that ball has a friend because my—I don't think that was in the stadium after he kicked it.
1: He almost kicked it over that like giant, like a, a batting cage thing, like in the oh my god.
0: Granted, I watched the replay. It only goes over the crossbar yeah. crossbar by like four feet, but uh-huh. it's just on an upward trajectory and just keeps going. <laughs> I don't know. Chicago needs a new field goal kicker. Terrence some, Boyd, sign him up. Well,
1: some say that ball's still floating up there, like you said with Bradley's. I, Chicago does need a new field goal kicker. Terrence Boyd may be the answer. I'm sure Bears fans would love to have a soccer player as their kicker. I'm sure that would go over very well.
0: So, I think that's a turning point. It was one nothing. It goes to 1-1. It's an away goal. I think they hold on and aren't pushing for the game. I mean, listen, they go on 3 nothing. I don't know what they're thinking giving up at 4th. Because now they got to go home and probably score 5 goals.
1: And that's assuming you don't give up any. You give up another goal, you have to score six.
0: Yeah. So we're assuming that they probably have to score six at this point. Listen, now it's the opposite. Toronto is going into a very warm, humid environment that they're not used to. It's probably tougher for, um, for Independiente to now have to go into Canada where there's a decent chance there's snow you know falling when the game happens.
1: Yeah, in a colder game listen, I, I don't know if you've ever played in snow, but if there is any snow, I don't know what the forecast is like, I'm not a weatherman, but uh, can you imagine trying to score six goals in that? Goodness.
0: I have played in the snow. It's, I'm sorry. Um, not in like a snowstorm though. Oh, okay. You, well, if you well, remember, however, if you remember, however, we're going to flip the switch here to when Atlanta played um, Minnesota oh, the in over? that open exp- uh, expansion game in a massive snowstorm. That's and true. Atlanta, Atlanta, ball weather. The warm weather team went into Minnesota, the team that should have home field advantage, and put six goals past them. Food for thought.
1: Well, there you go. There's your precedent, even though that wasn't in the same league, but I'll allow it.
0: So by that by that logic, Independiente is going to win 10 nothing on aggregate. <laughs> Can you imagine?
1: Oh well, I don't. I don't even know what to do anymore. What Toronto, if they can't turn it around, which I don't think they will, it's a disgrace. Good luck to them the rest of the way. Uh,
0: could be a uh, good thing.
1: It could be a good thing in the long run for them, but not a good thing for me. And I don't let those no. things pass easily. I hold grudges, people. The, <laughs> the Red Bulls just briefly they beat Atletico Pantoja two nothing. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, uh, that's what we expected Sporky KC. They be- they didn't just beat Toluca. They absolutely manhandled Toluca. This was, simply put, the most dominant. I would say most dominant MLS victory over Liga MX side in actual competition, ever.
0: And of the entire of any of these games, the most difficult for MLS team, and they go out and do the job. Congratulations, Peter Vermees.
1: Yes, although boo to Children's Mercy Hospital Park for that railing that fell over and injured one of the Toluca players and some fans.
0: Is uh so sport? It looks like uh, Children's Mercy Park is now uh, higher than Audi Field on our stadium danger list. We'll yes. come up with that next week.
1: And all the irony of the hospital being the sponsor.
0: Well, hopefully there was someone on hand to take care of them then. Um. But only for only for children. Only for children, though. If you're if you're young, if you're under 18, you can get help. But it's the, children's. Well, the
1: Toluca player is gonna miss like four to six. I know we're making light of this, but the guy's gonna miss like four to six weeks. That's terrible.
0: Right. It's yeah. you really you don't want to see that.
1: You know We never want to see that, but just the absurdity of that night carried well over into the fans. So, yeah, uh, feel bad for him. Uh, supporting KC, though, in the driver's seat heading to Mexico for the next leg. Finally, there is Eridiano versus Atlanta. Atlanta got shredded by Eridiano. It was a 3-1 victory by Eridiano in Costa Rica. Frank DeBoer's defense did not look good.
0: Uh, which is something that has happened in the past with Crystal Palace and Inter. This is a different level. So we'll see. They had to go into Costa Rica. We'll see how they come out at home. They got an away goal, so 2-0 will do it. But not a good sign to start. Yeah,
1: this was not – and I don't know. That was a pretty inexperienced back line. Bayo got the start kind of like a left wing back. Miles Robinson was on the back line.
0: Good to see the youngsters getting a chance in a tough environment. Uh, I, yeah,
1: but, oh, man, that was...
0: But do you really expect anyone, these guys, to come into a 70,000 person? Because I expect them to actually put a decent amount in, maybe 60,000 people at, at uh, Mercedes-Benz Arena. And Atlanta not the... to, like, kind of overwhelm them.
1: Well, to be fair, the... um, Well, first of all, I think this game was in... Uh, <laughs> this game was in... Costa Rica, but the next one's also not going to be at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, apparently. It's going to be in the other field that they were using before, unfortunately. It's a college stadium, Georgia Tech. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a blow, but I still think they can do it, unlike Toronto, which I have no hope for.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for that portion. of. We'll talk more about it at the end of this week when the second legs happen. And we'll, we'll see what deserves talking about because like, like nobody wants to hear about how Houston beak wants to tell you it was an ugly game. It was kind of boring to watch, but we're going to move on to the uh, biggest news of the week, perhaps in terms of name wise, Robert Kraft accused of soliciting a prostitute in Florida the owner of the New England Revolution. So I'm, I'm going to give a brief thing here because I know some Revolution fans are like, oh my God, what if he sells the team? Somebody might actually care about us. I'd like to remind you that, A, Robert Kraft doesn't even actually have a lot to do. It's more of his son, Jonathan Kraft, is what I'm given to understand. So that's number one. It would basically just be a name only. He probably wouldn't sell. He'd probably just be forced to hand it over to his son, and that's already happening anyway. And then also yeah. remember, sorry, I, just this guy, Kraft, he... You know, he he invested in the league at a time where, and he stuck with the league when the league was closer to folding than it was to expansion. So he's got a lot of clout in the Boston area. He's a very influential man in this league. I wouldn't get your hopes up.
0: Yeah, I mean, hopefully this, there'll be some change in New England because they'll need some. But uh, whew, what a situation for Kraft and what a weird, I mean, I don't, we're not going to get too much into this, but uh odd situation and uh i don't think it'll affect the revs all that much no uh moving on there's a movie coming out will ferrell will star uh about the fifa scandal eric are you intrigued
1: a little bit will ferrell doesn't intrigue me the fifa scandal part does we'll see how it's done because if it's will ferrell i feel like it's going to be a comedy right like
0: it's a pretty funny situation.
1: It is pretty funny. I mean, you had a guy, one of the, Conca- well, it wasn't the FIFA scandal, but this was kind of tied to it, the Calf guy who had, like, a- an entire penthouse in New York for his cats. Like, that's, that's
0: absurd. That's, that's, like, comedy movie worthy. We'll see if it's a little too close to uh, the time or the fact that FIFA still pretty, uh, has some, scan- basically, is always, like, corrupt, so maybe it'll shine some light on it. Miguel Almirón, strong debut for Newcastle. You get a chance to see him.
1: I did get to see some of the highlights. I didn't get to see the game live, unfortunately. I've been busy this last week moving, but I did see he got a pretty good, uh, pretty good moves in. DeAndre Yedlin looked pretty good too. So
0: yeah, two MLS guys, good sign for MLS. Hopefully, more in England there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, other news reports that Matias Almeida is upset about the budget problems at San Jose. Cruz, Cruz Azul are interested in signing him. With, He's got a $3 three million dollar buyout clause. How do we feel about San Jose's chances given this potential disruption?
1: This would destroy the season for them. This would put them right back in the basement for me. It's not because I think Almeida's this amazing manager who's gonna turn them around based on his coaching acumen alone, but I just think you can't have you can't have the manager be signed up, be promised certain things, and then when that doesn't happen, the manager just leave. Like that's a that's a very bad sign for the front office. Because it, think, it, yeah. it shows it shows really like a, a disconnect between ownership, front office staff, and manager, and you can't have that.
0: It would be a real worry, uh, and it would probably put San Jose back in the basement. As of now, he's kind of their one chance to turn things around. Hopefully, they kind of start figuring it out and let him get some signings because there are some holes that are needed to be fixed in that team. So, uh,
1: yeah. So I wanted to add because we were talking about disconnects between front office ownership and management. Just briefly, because I don't, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole. We were doing so well on time. Right. But the Keppa thing, the Keppa Risto Balaga thing on Chelsea. So they've got statements from Sarri out now. In oh, case this you is missed it, breaking. Kepa, yeah, Keppa has like Keppa refused to be subbed off in the Carabao Cup final against Manchester City. If you haven't seen it, it's actually kind of amusing to watch. Sorry, flip out, and I thought the guy was. I straight thought he was going to leave the field. So <laughs> he was going to leave Wembley and just say I quit.
0: He started walking to the tunnel.
1: Yeah. So anyway, his uh, sorry says it was a big misunderstanding. I understand he had a cramp, so I didn't want the goalkeeper to go out to penalties in that physical condition. I only realized the situation after 3 to 4 minutes when the doctor came to the bench. In the meantime, I wanted Caballero on the pitch and the keeper wanted me to know he was in condition to go to penalty, so it was a big misunderstanding. Keppa was right even if the way he conducted himself was wrong. Mentally, he was right. He was able to go to penalties, but I only realized everything when the doctor was able to come to the bench, not before. I was really angry. I want to talk to him because he needs to understand that it was a misunderstanding. We can get in trouble, especially with you, the media. So I think I have to explain the situation to Kepa without any other problems.
0: That is uh, well handled by Sorry, top guy. Love him. Love to see him chewing on cigarette butts on the side of the field. Um, and it's, it's pretty much what I thought. I think he, that was my interpretation, was he thought Keppa was injured and him off, and Keppa said no, and he figured that he, Kepa would want to stay on the field through injury, even though Kepa might have felt okay. So, good to see that there's not much going on there.
1: Agreed, uh, because I can't really handle any more drama.
0: Oh, come on, admit it, you love it.
1: I, I Look, it was kind of funny when it happened, and I was, I was kind of brushing it off as no big deal, and now, again, now I've calmed down a little bit, because at the end of the game, after we'd lost we right but after chelsea had lost i was like oh god like i was hoping he would save a penalty win the shootout and then it would just kind of be kind of you know forgotten you know you win the trophy and no one cares but then they lost and i was like oh no
0: unfortunately for him it maybe would have flipped on its head because he did have that one squirt under him i wonder if injury had anything to do with it i don't think it did i think it was just a. A keeper mistake uh,
1: yeah i don't know uh, the only like i agree with sorry the injury thing like the guys the guy had to miss a game because of a hamstring injury he's cramping up twice in like a span of 10 minutes like that's that's like the telltale signs of a guy who probably shouldn't continue
0: right um so i'm no doctor though so good to see there's not more problem the <laughs> well, chelsea locker room s-
1: sorry I, I i know i keep pushing this further but i i also wanted to ask you have you cramped up in goal
0: no, that's what I was gonna say. I thought it was strange that he was cramping. Goalies don't do enough don't do enough running to cramp.
1: <laughs> I was, I think the announcers uh, on the stream I was watching uh, made made kind of light of that. Like I don't understand how the goalie's cramping.
0: <laughs> I don't think he was. I think it was just a tweak in his hamstring. Um, so maybe it was a cramp. Maybe his like muscles were really fatigued already, and he's you know it's not like goalies don't do anything. They're fairly I mean, he active. Was, he
1: was out there for 120 minutes.
0: You're standing for two hours. That's already a lot. You know, in those uncomfortable boots. You know, he is making some passes and getting around. So I don't think it was a cramp, though. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the report is. But
1: Dr. McConnell has weighed in.
0: As you know, I uh, have very smart uh, medical things. But we're not going to have enough time for me to speak about my medical things because that's all the time we have this week on the American Soccer Show. Don't forget to subscribe and check out past episodes. You know, I say this, but... Past episodes, I mean, we do the previews, but I don't know if you really want to be listening to 2018. Are you discouraging people <laughs> from episodes. listening to our old episodes? <laughs> I'm just realizing it's, you I, know, I, listen to all of them. They're phenomenal. You can uh, point out all the mistakes we've made. You can find us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher for all your American soccer needs. Leave us a review if you can. We really appreciate it. Uh, until next time, <laughs> I'm Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcanter signing off.